0: very exciting we live in exciting times don't we okay we live in exciting times don't we yeah everyone's thinking about is it is exciting i suppose you could say it's exciting scary yeah a lot of things you could probably call it a lot of things but we're living in a time of change right now and you know what if you don't want to change then god will cause you to change because he wants you to be who you need to be, and uh, and I, I believe even this message message this morning that it's a message that I'm probably coming from you uh, um, or to you from an apostolic point of view today. So so it's more more uh, you know Greg the apostle and Greg the prophet this morning because I want to see some things put into place. And I believe that this is a time now for us as Forever House, that we're going to a whole new level. And uh, foundations have to be put into place. And as you may have heard uh, the uh, word of the Lord this year, God was going to be sh- shaking foundations. And He's going to make sure that everything that's not of Him is going to be shaken off. And only the things of Him are going to remain. They're the things that He can build on. They're the things that He wants to build on. So, so this, this may cause you to be a little bit uncomfortable this morning. Um, that's okay. All right, you're allowed to be a bit uncomfortable, because what happens is that when we're really comfortable, we really don't want to do anything. It's like, ah, hey, this is good. I'm doing a few little things here, and it's like we're comfortable. But then, you know, as Julie was saying, God asked Sandy and and Thomas to come out and speak in a in a church. All of a sudden, it's like. They're uncomfortable. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, hang on a sec. And see, that's what I believe that God wants us to do. As a church, what we're doing is that we want to see more opportunities like this to happen so that, so that, the, so that we can start to cause you to grow to a whole new level. You know, we saw something with these guys that we hadn't seen just in our normal meetings you know, here in church. They went to a whole new level. See, so you go to a new level when you're out of your league. When you're out of when you're out of of your comfort zone, so God is calling us, and and I even thought about this this afternoon, uh, this afternoon, uh, yesterday afternoon when I was when I was praying, that you know it's it's as as a beautiful um, like you know Julie loves uh, gardenia, so we've got all these beautiful gardenias around the place, and so they're really nice and healthy, but then if you don't trim them. They just go all crazy. So, so what you're doing is a beautiful flower, beautiful um, uh, hedge there or, or uh, plant, and then all of a sudden you cut it right back to almost nothing. All of a sudden it's like, well, what was really nice, now, now look at this thing. What you're doing is that you're developing the growth in the root systems. You, what happens is that you're, you're you're developing something that you actually don't see yourself, but that plant needs to have a stronger root system so that it then sends, sends out more uh, uh, um, plant more. Um, um, branches, and you start to see a lot more flowers starting to happen. And so that's the same in our life, that God wants us to develop this, this root system, this strong foundation in Him, so that now we can start to grow a little bit more and, uh, and be amazing you know, with the fruit that starts to come from our lives. So, this, sir, this message this morning called Sons and Servants, I actually heard uh, uh, Pastor Rick Godwin speak this about 10 to 12 years ago. And it really just resonated within me to the point, or within us as well, to the point where it's like, uh, we need to do what this says. You know, there comes a time where you just don't witness with your head, but you witness with your spirit. And it's like, we, yeah, are we, and it really started to question in our lives are we, are we sons or are we servants? And as you uh, will hear shortly, there is a difference, a big difference between being a son and being a servant. So you've got your Bibles here. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3 verses 1 to 6. We're going to look at what the Lord says. I'm going to give you just a couple of scriptures and I'm going to go into um, the message here. So, So it says here in Hebrews 3, 3, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. He is faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as as the builder of the house is greater, has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was a faithful as a servant in the house of God, bearing witness to uh, what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are His house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and hope in which we glory. We are the house. See, God God is knitting us together. He's building us together. We're, we're a family. We're a house. And so how do you build a house? You've got to nail things together. And so we see here that Moses was faithful as a servant, but Jesus was faithful as the son, as a son. Psalm 127, verse one, says, "Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. You see what God builds, He guards. When He builds, it's for life." God doesn't just build a little shack and say, ah, listen, it's going to fall apart in a couple of years. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Uh, We'll just build another one. No, no, no. What He builds, He guards. And what He builds, it lasts forever. We're we're in this thing forever. Pastor Sarah talked about, you know, that race that we're pushing, pushing aside everything else. And and this race that we're on to keep going until the race is finished. You can't just say, ah, well, I'm sick of this race. I'll I'll join another race. I'll get a shorter race. (laughs) I I, I like the short runs. (laughs) I'm a sprinter. See, God builds it for life. It's permanent. What He builds, it's permanent. Now, God is a builder. I mean, you you just got to look at the universe. I mean, it's just amazing when we're out there at at, um, um, Kingaroy, And places like that where you get away from all the city lights and you go out and and all of a sudden you can just see the incredible universe. You can see as much as you possibly can and it's just magnificent. It's unbelievable. See, God is a builder. He is like the master architect. He's got it all together. And He knows what He's building. And He knows how to build. And so it's interesting that He even comes to a house of a builder, Joseph, when he sends his son. Remember, he could have sent him to anybody else, but he sends it to a builder. Jesus grew up in a builder's home as a builder. So there are three ways that God builds. Firstly, he builds revelatory. This means that he builds on the revelation of who Christ is. Who is He to you? That's why we're getting back. God's wanting us to get back to the foundations. Who is He to you? Is He the Son of God? Is He the Christ? Is He your rock and your foundation? Because we've got to understand, unless this is our foundation, God cannot build any further. He's got to take us back to that place. See, He is. He has to be our Savior. He has to be the one that we trust. He's got to be our foundation. There has to be a foundation first before you can build on anything. And of course, uh, Jesus asked Peter, You know, who do men say I am? But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Listen, we can hear a lot of other things and and we we can go on the coattails of what others think. But God is getting us to a point of saying, but who am I to you? See, it's that personal relationship, it's that personal foundation. You can't build on someone else's foundation. You've got to build on your foundation. You've got to have that own, that personal relationship with God because when it gets tough, what are you going to say? Are we going to go calling to this person because, oh, we build on their foundation. I've got their faith. Come on. That's what happened in the wilderness. It says that, that the, the, the children of God worship the God of their fathers. They had, a, they had an, a, an encounter with the God of their fathers, but not a personal encounter with God themselves. So it was always second hand. But God is wanting us to have that first hand encounter, that rock solid foundation. Who am I to you? Peter got this revelation, of course, from the Father in heaven. And then he said, upon this rock, upon this revelation, I will build my church. See, he builds revelatory first on the revelation of who Christ is to you. That's, you gotta have a beginning. You gotta have a cornerstone. You gotta have a foundation. Then God's, yep, that, on that revelation, I'm going to build my church. No other foundation. If it's built upon any other foundation other than Christ, it's in vain and it will fail. Secondly, he builds relationally. You were born into a family. Come on, you're actually born into a family. And when you were born again, what happened? You were born again into a family again. So we are family. He speaks about joinings and connections. Remember, again, the word of the Lord about this year is to be connected. You've got to have connections. You've got to be connected to the right person. And I love what Apostle Leon says about, you know, find your tribe. The 12 tribes of Judah there. But when you find your tribe, when you find your family, you are the one then. It's like, yeah, now I'm like-minded, like-spirited. This is my family. Israel. What did I say? 12 tribes of Israel. Sorry. Thank you. My Bible scholar, Julie. (laughs) So he speaks about joinings and connections. See, it's all... It's all, uh, once we've had the foundation, you can't, without the foundation, you can't build upon anything else. You can't build until you've got the foundation. So if all, if all you have is a foundation, then where are you going to live? How are you going to live? It's in the connections. It's in the building. It's in the, the joinings together. So you can't build a house unless you join things together. But we live in a society that has a disposable relationship mentality. You hurt me, so I'm not talking to you. Come on, you hurt me, I'm not talking to you. The church hurt me, so I'm leaving. You never heard, you never hear the world say, "Ha, oh, these people in the world that hurt me so much, I'm going to join the church." But you always hear the other side of things. Like, that church hurt me. I'm going back into the world. As if that is going to hurt us. Come on. The church hurt me, so I'm leaving. Well, come on. You've got to grow up. I don't agree with what you believe. Like, can a Christian have a drink? Well, if they're thirsty? <laughs> no, I'm talking about alcohol, Greg. Well, okay, we might differ on some things. Or should there be women ministers? Definitely. <laughs> or I think, I think deacons should run this church. There should, be, there should be more heads, better than one. You've got to understand that what happens is that we may not agree on everything. See what happens is that because what you think doesn't happen, well, I disagree with that. I'm going to leave because uh, because you're not seeing my point of view. We got to get back to the foundation. We got to get back to what the Bible says. We got to get away from what you feel like. Come on, because our feelings are up and down, and sometimes we are wrong. Oh, I told you it was going to get uncomfortable. See, sometimes we need others around us because what is a blind spot? It's something that we can't see, but boy, it's glaringly obvious to everybody else. (laughs) See, what happens is that we start to disjoint the body of Christ. And we end up in little select groups of believers. And we wonder why we can't take the city for Christ. Look, don't think we've got it all together. Don't think we've got it all together. Because we're still working these things out. We're, we're praying God. We're learning from our mistakes. But we're not going to stop going, moving ahead because it's, well, we had another mistake. We had a we just better just settle back here. No, no, no. We've got to keep forcefully advancing. Learn from our mistakes. Build upon these things. And learn from others' mistakes as well. So you don't think we've got it all together. Because see, once you think you've got it all together, that's, you're full of pride. You're full of pride. We, we, we must recognize that other Christian ministries around us and we must work together. We are, it's not us and them. Well, this is, you know, hey, no one... No one really knows. See, that's what happened with Elijah. He has got stuck in the cave there. He says, hey, I'm the only one that's left. And all, and, and, and boy, I just escaped by the skin of my teeth. And God, you are, you, you are so blessed that I just was able to get away because I am the only one. And God says, come on. you joke joking. No, no, no. Just, just made it. Barely made it. He says, actually prophet. I've got 7,000 others. 7,000 others that you don't even know about. I've got them hidden all over the place and they have not bowed their knee to any other God. They are for me. They are not against me. I tell you, I've got them. I've got them covered all over the place. 7,000. Can you imagine what, what Elijah would have thought? you got 7,000? Where were they when I needed them? You could have rallied them around me. Don't think you got it all together. Because God says, as soon as you're full of pride, (laughs) I'll use somebody else. And He will. And He can. He can use a donkey, for goodness sake. Come on. Don't think you got it. Well, oh God, you have to use me. you have to use us. You have to use this church. No, we're, we are working together with other ministries. That's, that's the difference between a kingdom church. A kingdom sees the bigger picture. How can we work together? We're not separate. We're not select. We're not a little group that, that we're inward bred. We know where we're going. We know what God has called us to do. We know we are apostolic, prophetic church. We know, come on, we know certain things that we cannot compromise them. So it's in the joinings. See, Julie and I don't agree on everything. She likes weird music. Like, what is that guy? Michael Bolton. Oh goodness. She likes different things. Different movies. It's like, oh, different shows sometimes. Now I'm starting to like them. That's that's scary. All these fixer-upper home things. So you know, all these oh, no god, no. <laughs> Listen, even though we disagree on some things, we are still connected. We are, we, we are still a family. We're still a marriage. Even though we don't agree on everything. doesn't mean say, well, we don't agree, that's it. You know, let's just pack up and leave. Come on. But what happens is this. We want to do what we want. We want to be where we want to be, and we've not asked Him, we've not asked God. It says that God has placed us where it pleases Him. Him, not you. <laughs> and if you're happy where you are, well, that's good. If you're not, well, just check with the Lord just to see if you're still in the right place. And if He says, "Yeah, I'm happy," then you've got to find out, okay, why am I unhappy? Maybe you've got to change some things. Maybe you've got to get a right attitude. Maybe you've got to deal with some mindsets. See, God has placed you in the body where it pleases Him. My destiny comes out of the joinings. Your destiny will come out of the joinings. Who are you joined with? Come on. What church are you joined with? They'll come out of the joinings. Your destiny. Your destiny. Our destiny came out of the joinings with Christian International. It's incredible because from the head down, because of what Dr. Bishop Hammond has done, because of the anointing upon his life, because of the connections that he has, all of a sudden we're now doing those same things. I don't believe we could ever have done those things if we weren't joined with Christian International. See, your destiny will come out of your joinings. When you're joined to the right people in the right place, I tell you, your destiny and purpose will start to flow. What He has joined, let no man break up. So don't let an offense break it up. Oh, but we love to break relationships and we want to jump churches like this gypsy thing. We're wandering from church to church. Going from camp to camp. Well, we don't like that. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, they they hurt me over here. Well, they didn't even see me. They didn't recognize me. They didn't even greet me at the door. Forget this chair. I'm I'm out of here. Come on. This gypsy mentality where we're just wandering all around. We don't want to take responsibility. We don't want to grow up. We don't really want to join. We don't want to change. Father, I break right now that gypsy spirit. That's upon the church right now. Father, I thank you for a knitting together, for a joining together, for a seed to be planted and to grow and to produce so much fruit because it is planted in the right place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thirdly, He builds generationally. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He has long range plans sometimes long long range plans same as long suffering (laughs) it's in the long (laughs) but what happens along comes a terminal generation they're selling out for short term gain they're only out for themselves it's all about me what's in it for me Well, if I'm going to do it, what am I going to get out of it? See, they're not building. See, it's it's all about me, myself, and I. They're not building anything long term. They're not thinking generationally. They're only thinking about here and now. Esau sold his birthright. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. He sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. I mean, there wasn't even any meat in it. It says it was lentil. I was like, you're crazy, man. Come on. I mean, if it would have had a bit of meat in it, it was like, But but a vegetarian stew. I mean, you can't even say that. It's not not a stew. He sold his birthright. He sold out generationally. I mean, what would these kids have thought when they heard about what he had done? <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking about that. It's like, Dad, what were you thinking? I was hungry. <laughs> I, needed, I needed a fix then and there. It was all about me. I wasn't even thinking about you. Exactly. And I think we should start doing that. Stop thinking about you and thinking about your generation. Start thinking about your children, your your great-grandchildren, your your great-grandchildren. Start thinking about your spiritual kids. Start start thinking outside of your own little space. They're not building anything long-term. They're not thinking generationally. They see Jesus is going to come back soon, so what's all the use? Come on, Jesus said He was coming back soon. That was over 2,000 years ago. His soon it's like our long-suffering, <laughs> except longer. See, let's get our focus off of leaving and put it on God's kingdom coming. Come on. We're hanging out at the rapture bus stop and no one's got proper jobs because Jesus is coming back soon. No one wants to paint the house because Jesus coming back soon. No one wants to fix the taps because Jesus coming back soon. We got this drip every night. Yeah, but Jesus coming back soon. You can't see the house because the yard's so high and the grass and the tigers and the you know wombats. But Jesus coming back soon. I don't need to do it. Jesus coming back soon. See, instead, we should be praying, His kingdom come. His will be done, where? On earth, as it is in heaven. Stop waiting to go to heaven. Come on. Cause heaven to come to earth. Lord, what does Brisbane look like in heaven so I can see it on earth? So what is my job? How do I do this? Who am I connected with? Who are the ones who are the same mind, same spirit? Who are are the ones who are going in the same direction? Kingdom is coming. Listen, the best thing to be doing if Jesus comes back is be busy doing what He asks you to do. They say, say, "Well, it's about time, Jesus man. I've been hanging out this bus stop for so long. It's like, man, my wife has just been at me and at me and at me. I'm glad you come." <laughs> the kingdom is coming; it's not going. Jesus says, "I want you to occupy." I want you to possess. I want you to turn the kingdoms of this world into the kingdoms of God. Listen, the best thing to do is to do what God asks you to do. Get busy. Start doing it. Let's take the city. Let's build an inheritance for our children. Let's leave them something other than debt. Let's pass off vision and momentum and strategy and resources and capital and assets. Listen, Julie and I started off with nothing. We had no inheritance, naturally or spiritually. But well, that's okay. I'm not having a go at mom and dad. <laughs> but, but because, because they, didn't know, they didn't know Jesus then, they, they sent us to the Salvation Army just to get us out of their hair. Really, that was, you know, I, I think. <laughs> this is my point of view. But listen, it doesn't matter if even if you had nothing, you can still leave something. It's not about, well, I haven't got anything. That, no one let me anything. I'm not leaving anything. This is spend, spend your kids' inheritance. You know, that ski mentality. Well, listen, I'm, I've been inputting into the kids all my life. Now I'm going to spend all the money. Were well, you going to leave them anything? No way. Why? Because it's my time. I want to have fun. It's tough. It's hard. It's, we're pioneering. See, what we had to do was pioneer a prophetic ministry that had actually fallen. So Julie and I, we're really we're starting off on the wrong foot. But you know what? Even though it was hard, even though it was tough, we knew what God had called us to do. And it wasn't just about us. It was about our children and our grandchildren. It was about passing off to them. we got to do what God has called us to do. And even though you haven't got anything in the beginning, it doesn't matter because you can build and you can ask God to fill. And listen, when you're doing what God has called you to do, He blesses you. Unbelievably, He blesses you. See, now we got our children and grandchildren. Now we're waiting for our great-grandchildren. Could be a little bit longer, but we say is that long suffering? Yeah. (laughs) But that's okay. Because they're gonna benefit for what from what we have laid up for them. They now can walk into some things that they don't have to fight themselves. We have fought that. We have fought. We have had to fight generational things about divorce, about alcoholism. Now, our children and, gra- and grandchildren and great-grandchildren don't have to fight that because we've already done that. See, there are things you can pass off spiritually. doesn't have to always be monetary things. So God builds generationally. He sees down through the years. But us... Sometimes we can't think beyond lunch. Oh, now that you mention it, Greg. Mmm, lunch. I hope I'm gonna forget lentil soup. I'm going more along the lines of donuts, sugar. Hey, Zara's with me. <laughs> So how does God build the house? He builds it with more children, builds it with more kids. The fruit of the womb shall be your reward, says Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. So God builds His house on sons, not servants. Now don't think gender, don't think age, because it's an attitude. See, it's a spirit thing. He's breaking off old mindsets. Listen now, women, if you can be sons of God, men, we can be the bride of Christ. So don't start thinking gender or even age. Age has got nothing to do with it. We've got some incredible spiritual mums and dads that, that are in their 80s that are still being, going powerful, Still, still got the same spirit of today. Come on of what God is doing. They are stirred. They're like the spirit of Caleb on these guys. They haven't lost hope of their vision, their future. Sons serve and servants serve. So what's the difference? Motive and attitude. Motive and attitude is the difference. See, man has tried to build a church on hiring servants. And it won't work because they have their own motives. They got their own agendas. It's not following the father or the pastor in his vision for the church. Galatians chapter four, verses one to seven says this. Now I say that the heir, as long as it's, uh, he's a child, doesn't differ at all from the slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we when, we are, when we're children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but you are a son. And if you are a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ. It says it all there, that we're no longer slaves. We're no longer servants, but we are sons. See, see, we're not, Julie and I, we're not, we're not doing this for money. We're not working for a paycheck. We are we're heirs. We are part owners of what God is doing. We've got shares in the family business. Come on. My dad's the owner. Come on. He's the owner. I'm a son. I'm not a slave working as an employee in the house. If we were at only doing this to get money, to get a check, then we would have quit 20 years ago. <laughs> Probably... Wouldn't have even started, maybe. <laughs> because it wasn't about that. See, God will always check your heart. What what uh what is motivating you to do what I've called you to do? Your motives will always, you'll always be questioned. And listen, I believe it never stops. We're still questioning, yeah, we're still being questioned by our motives. Something cannot be right, and it's like, oh and then all of a sudden it's like uh-uh-uh. Your motive, why are you here? You're not here to get looked after. You're not here even to get fed. You're here to look after my people, feed my sheep. So change your mindset. You're a son who will inherit everything that God has for you. How you serve in the house of God is how you see yourself. Although it's very interesting. So, are you a son or a servant? How can you tell? It's in the testings. The testing times. It's not in the glory times. And I was like, woohoo, this is so cool. I was like, oh man. <laughs> it's in the times where it's like, hey, it's getting tough. Well, it's not what I signed up for. Oh, boy, that's starting to hurt. I'm getting real uncomfortable now. It's in the testings. John t- chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. Says the hireling or the servant flees when he sees trouble or conflict coming. It doesn't sort of get, okay, this is going to get a little bit tough here. This is really a real hard season. We're going to dig in. We're going to stand against this. It's like, oh dear, this is, this is big. I, I can't handle this. I'm, I'm off. I'm out of here. And they run. A servant will always run, a son will stand and fight. A son will stay. See, the test of sonship is can you stay put under fire? Can you stay put when things are getting a little bit tough? The servants, all the servant is looking for is payday and sunset and he's out of here. That's it, I've done my job, I'm I'm out. I, I didn't sign up for this. But a son has a share in the family business. The business is going down, then he's going down. Sons are there early and they stay late. Sons are in the fight with you. Psalm one hundred and twenty-seven, verses four and five says, "Sons will defend the house, not the father." That's interesting. It's not that the father doesn't want to, but it's the sons rising up and say, "Hey, hey, 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 woo, 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 back off." Because it's interesting when you read that scripture, it says arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the sons of our youth. They will speak. When you have a look at that word speak, it is translated into subdue or even destroy. They will speak to the enemy at the gate. They will subdue the enemy and they will destroy the enemy at the gate. The father doesn't have to. The pastor doesn't even have to get up because the sons are doing it. The sons are fighting at the gate. The sons are destroying and the sons are subduing the enemy. We're at the gate. Doesn't even enter in. Doesn't even come near. It's a son. Listen, if dad's reputation or if the pastor's reputation is at stake, their reputation is at stake. All the servant will do is run away and change church. Well, weren't you part of that? Yeah, oh, yeah, but I got that just in time. Man, yeah, look at what's happening there now. Wouldn't want to be there. But you were there. Oh, yeah, but I, the Lord spoke to me. Oh, Oh, wow. Can't argue with that. See, we were part of a church going way back. Massive church. I mean, at the time, there was probably about 10,000, 12,000 people uh, were part of this church. The main uh, uh, pastor fell morally. We had TV crews there. I mean, there was just everything all around going on all the time. Turmoil. And people were leaving, left, right, and center. Thousands left. And so we thought, what do we do? We, we thought, well, let's pray about it. See, it's always a good thing. Not just to do what the masses go. Um, God, what do you want us to do? And we heard him specifically say, did I call you here? It's like, that a trick question. Yes, you called me here. You called us here. And he said, well, I haven't said for you to leave. So it's like, okay, we're staying. So we stayed. And I tell you what, we copped a lot of stuff, even from our own family. What are you still doing there? Don't you know what he did? And it's like, yes. But you understand, listen, not that we're condoning any sin whatsoever, but there comes a time we just you gotta fight for your father. You gotta fight for your pastor. you got to fight for something there. Listen, we are only human, but we're not, we're not and, and listen, I'm going to sh- share a little bit about, you know, about we're not covering sin, but we're covering some of the shortcomings, which is different. So all the servant will do is run away, change church. We stayed. We got stronger. We learned a lot of things through that. That we're just not, not going to just run away because everyone else is, but Lord, we need to hear from you. See, what are some of the characteristics of sons and servants? Sons build the house. Servants simply serve in the house. Sons build the house. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, which, uh, we, we mentioned that before about Moses was faithful as a servant in the house, but Christ the Son who built the house. See, what, do you, what are you doing? Well, well, well I'm just, I'm just, uh, just teaching a, teach a class. I'm just looking after the kids there in children's church. I'm not doing much. No, no, no. Come on. Wrong attitude. What are you doing? What are you doing? No, no, no. You're teaching. You're training. You're imparting. You're, you're, you're impacting a generation. What, see, what are you doing? It's in your mindset. Wow! Well, I'm just looking after the kids. You know, just, you know, get a little snotty you nose, know, a little you know, wiping every now and then. and say give them another colouring book. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. What are you doing? What are you doing? Get the right mindset. Get, get, get the right attitude. No, no, God, you put me here to teach, to train, to activate. I'm imparting. I, Lord, this is, I, this is who I am. Start doing it as unto God, not as a servant. Well, I'm just here once it's... You know, I, I hope Greg doesn't go over today. It's like, because oh, oh, I've had enough of these kids. Come on. Sons can initiate. Servants just do what they're told. So a son comes into church and it's like, where's the door greeter today? Must be late. Or he's gone to the tour or something. Hey, I'm just going to stand in the gap. I'll just say, hey, good to see you today. <laughs> it's like, great. yeah." So what if people think, well, oh, yeah, you're the door greeter. You may not be the door greeter, but you are then. Sons can initiate. Servants just do what they're told. Sons have ownership. Sons have ownership. If something's on the floor, they'll pick it up. Servants say, not my job, and walk by. What happens? They both see it, but something is attached to them, to the son. Hey, I love my church. Like we heard, Pastor Sandy, about, uh, about David. God, I love your church. I love your church because that's where your, your uh, grace lives. That's where your mercy lives. That's where your anointing lives. That's where your glory. Come on. Do we really love the church? It's like, man, someone, someone really messed up today. <laughs> Look at all this stuff on the floor. The servant will see it but not do anything about it. Not my job. The son will initiate. They'll pick it up because they have ownership. I've heard pastors never, uh, say never put servants into leadership positions. Doesn't matter how gifted or talented they are because they haven't got your vision. God wants sons. Sons build the house. Sons hold the father's or the pastor's heart and the success of the pastor's or the father's heart or work in as their own. In Luke 16 verse 12 it says, If you're not faithful with that of another man's, who will give you that which is yours? Who will give you that which is yours? See, see, I believe servants only care about their own success. They're just in it for themselves. They probably couldn't even tell you what's in the pastor's heart, what's in the father's heart. Why? Because they're too consumed with their own. <laughs> couldn't tell you what would motivate the pastor's heart. Would you hear, well, did you feel the pastor's heart this morning when he's sharing that? Uh, No, I was thinking about lunch. (laughs) Come on, servant attitude. You've got to be a son. Sons inherit. Servants take. Luke chapter 4, Satan said to Jesus, take the kingdom now. Come on, you just bow down to me. I'm going to give it all to you. It's all... It's all going to be yours anyway. Might as well just take it now. Servants take. Jesus said, no thanks. I'll wait until my father gives it to me. I'll wait until the right way. I'll wait until the proper way. I'll wait until the right order comes. Thanks very much. I hear you (laughs) and see where it's coming from. But I'll, take, I'll, I'll wait for my inheritance to come. See, this is what happens when you have ambitious, immature servants jumping out and starting their own ministries and churches. Now don't get me wrong, they certainly have a call and an anointing and even a future to have one of those. But listen, they just, have just went and not been sent. They've just gone ahead of time. Listen, and like, like I said, some of these people have, anoint, have anointings and, and maybe that's what God's called them to be, but there is a timing involved with everything. They take and they don't inherit. Promotion, says, comes from the Lord. Wait for God's timing. Sons inherit. Sons never see themselves first. They see the family first. Servants see themselves first. How this will affect me. Their issue or ministry oriented. Sons think corporately for the family's good. Servants will split the family on a tiny little issue. Listen, you're entitled to your opinion, but that should never split the family. So what, you don't get on with uncle so-and-so? No one really does. He's crazy. He's weird. (laughs) Not as weird as auntie, you know, but they're family. We're not splitting the family. Keep your opinions to yourself. I mean, even in a real family, that's what it's like. Come on, when you've joined a, a church family, it probably multiplies. All of a sudden, you become the creator. No. <laughs> Sons use the language of family. It's always plural. Sons use us and we, our. Sons say, if part of the family's under attack, we're under attack. Part of the church is having a problem, we're having a problem. Servants use singular language like, me, my, I, mine, or... They did it. (laughs) They can initiate the son's language on a good day or even when everything is going fine for them, but when the pressure comes, they revert back to their own language. They They can do it for a while, but when it comes to the crunch, they revert back to their own language. Because out of the abundance of the heart, The mouth speaks. See, it's the toothpaste theory. Yeah, when when you get squeezed, you see what comes out. What language are you speaking? Sons honor the headship. And they cover the nakedness of their leaders or pastors or fathers. They don't delight in exposing the nakedness of spiritual authority. So what is nakedness? We're not going to that. Point, but you know, spiritually, we're talking about it's, it's the shortcomings, it's the failures, it's the, the deficits. deficits. Um, it's the things like sometimes we think, well, he, he always, always forgets to take up the offering, always forgets the communion, always, he always goes over time. It's like, oh, well, I'm not saying anything here, like, <laughs> it's just a general. Observation here. <laughs> but you see, we're all learning. Yeah, we're learning from our mistakes. That's good. Okay. You know, he can't talk properly. He, they, he needs to go to Bible college. Come on. That's not how you pronounce that. What's wrong with him? You should know that. You've got an app now. You can just press it and it tells you. It talks to you. It's like, ah, uh, okay. Oh, there, yeah. It's so easy. Wait, come on. Servants and hirelings will trade in exposing nakedness. Oh, I got some juicy secrets about the pastor this week. You know what's going on in our church? (laughs) And it's not good stuff. Come on. They trade in the juicy secrets. Colossians 2 verse 19 says... It talks about holding, not holding fast to the head. See, if you're not holding fast to the head, if you're not connected, you're not going to grow. Servants do that; they will use the nakedness of authority to promote themselves. Oh, I'm a much better speaker. I'd never forget do the communion. I'd never forget tired. <laughs> Servants do that. They'll use the nakedness of authority to promote themselves. Look what happened to Noah. Noah got drunk this one time, it says in the Bible, and one of his sons gloried in his nakedness, told everyone about it. His two other sons saw the same thing, but what they did, they never said anything. They walked backwards holding a blanket and covered their father's nakedness. Now, it's about covering nakedness, not sin. See, their honor was attached to the father. This other son, he didn't really care. It was just up for grabs. Leaders aren't perfect. See, it's not about covering sin. Uh, It's about covering nakedness. We're not perfect. So don't, listen, as we are not perfect, we're not trying to hide our sins or anything like that. But we are dealing with stuff in our life like everybody else. Stop trying to find faults. Stop trying to criticize. The devil loves it when you do his job for him. He's the accuser of the brethren, remember? And if we're doing it, then he doesn't have to, he can go on holiday. Watch how leaders talk about other leaders. That will tell you if they're sons or servants. If we uncover the nakedness of our fathers, we're helping break up the family and we're inviting the enemy in to destroy it. Again, read Psalm 127, verse 5, talking about the sons dealing with the enemy at the gate. See, if someone has anything against the pastor, then it's the responsibility of the leadership or elders to defend the honor, not the pastor. Real sons will help when you're in trouble. Servants will expose your nakedness and probably leave the church over it. Come on. Sons honor naturally the chain of command. Servants continually need definitions of lines of authority and chains of command. Sons know authority instinctively. If pastor appointed them in that position, then that's it. Sons fulfill their destiny by honoring those who God has put in authority over them. See, the test of sonship is, can you submit to authority of someone you don't like? And you don't think you'll be tested in it? Just wait. Come on. All of a sudden, it's like, well, pastor's leaving and putting so-and-so in. Oh, why? Why then? Why? Maybe because God's dealing with something in your life that you've got to change, that you've got to deal with. Can you submit to someone you don't like? <laughs> Luke 7, verses 1-10, to talks about the centurion. He was a heathen. He was a non-believer. He was a Roman. And Jesus said, He's the first one I've met that's got it all together concerning authority. What? Someone outside the church doesn't even know about you and they have got more idea about authority. Because he said, I perceive, Jesus, you're a man under, under authority. How could he tell? Because he too was a man under authority. See, they recognize, you can recognize people who are under authority. A good soldier will always submit to any commander. Doesn't matter if you change platoons or whatever, that authority over you, you then, that is now your new commander. I I recognize the authority. We are soldiers in his kingdom. Start recognizing authority, stop pulling it down. The kingdom means government and rule, not this airy-fairy, well, I'm just going to do what Jesus tells me. Oh, yeah, Jesus delegates His authority through His fivefold ministry. Well, I just submit to God. Well, you're just an idiot. <laughs> you got an independent and you got a rebellious spirit. Come on, you might as well start calling it what it is. That's what the Americans love about the Aussies. They call the spade a spade. It's not, well, just pick up your digging implement. Spade a spade, come on. That's really what what we're dealing with here. See, the full restoration of the apostle will bring about proper godly order and authority in his church. You reject any fivefold minister, you reject God. I'm sorry. That's it. You may not like them. Too bad. (laughs) Sons want to share their lives with their pastors or their fathers, down to the third generation. See, like our children want to bring the grandchildren or our grandchildren over. The sons want to share lives. Servants don't share anything, especially not their lives. So hard to get anything out of them. There you go, all right. What What'd you do the other day? Oh, nothing. How's the family? Good. It <laughs> was hot the other day, wasn't it? Yep. Hot out yeah, your way. Yep. Hard to, get, hard to get anything out of them. It's like you've got to pry. And then you come to the point where it's like, oh, man, this is, this is, this is too hard. Hard work. Sons. On the other hand, how you going? Oh, man. You know, so-and-so is like, yeah. Well, they come over the other day and it's like, we had so much fun. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Sons share their life. They share their life. See, the vision of the house comes first. Then the sons buy into it. Because the vision of the father comes before the vision of the sons. Sometimes your vision has to die. Well, I don't like that. Sometimes your vision has to die to serve somebody else's. And then out of that connection, out of you serving that other one's vision, your vision then can be resurrected or it can be changed. But you'll get another vision, a better vision. The sons don't come to change the vision but to serve it. Servants try and tell the pastor, "Oh you need to change your vision now. You need to change it to this. And then next week they come in, no, 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 you need to change it to this. Oh no, no, no. God told me, uh, you need to change it to this. Crazy. What's happened in the past is the church has tried to build on people who were never sons in the first place. Pastors may have put them into leadership positions. They may have even put them into ministry. They may have even led them to the Lord. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're sons. If you haven't got the pastor's heart or the same vision, don't think you'll ever be put into leadership positions. got quiet. Must be nearly lunchtime. <laughs> Sons bond new people to the family. They have no secret agendas. They can't wait for you to meet, or meet the family. Oh man, you are going to love so-and-so. It's like, man, oh, the pastor has spoken an incredible message and he's up to the second part. You need to come for the second part. I'll give you the first part and you can listen to that. When you come in... Sons love to bring people to meet the family. Servants bond new people to themselves. Don't get too attached to the family. They'll hurt you. But but, hey, they're not like me. (laughs) Servants bond new people to themselves. And in a storm, you'll find out where the people are bonded. The church goes through something. You'll soon find out where the church, who the church bonded to. Sons focus on the welfare of the people. Servants focus on appearances. Am I looking good? I don't know which which of my profile is better. It's probably this one. See, sons focus on the welfare of the people. Servants focus on appearances. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you do things to be seen. He perceived their motive. What was in their heart. All you're worried about is you, you got got all these words and words of repetition. It's like people think, wow. my sons are gone. <laughs> you're an idiot. I could have said that in like four words. Jesus resurrected somebody. Come on. Lazarus, come forth. Oh no, we're going to have a prayer meeting, we've got to have this, and we've got to have that. And it's like, we've got to fast, and we've got to pray, and we've got to read. We got going, to, "Oh, we're going to decree. Everything to be seen and everything to be heard. Sons share their innermost thoughts with their fathers, with their pastors. See, a son will share his heart. Servants will only share what they want you to know. If someone is not sharing their heart with you, then perhaps maybe you're wasting your time with that one. They're not being true. They're not being upfront. They're not being real. See, I believe that we, we've we got to come to a place where we rip off the masks, where there's no more facades, where... What we are is what we are. Who we are is who we are. David was that type of person. Wore his heart on his sleeve. You knew when he was happy, when he was sad, when he was not, when he, you know, he's had a bit of an issue with God. We've got to be real people. People can see that anyway. They don't know what you're trying to hide. Sons are secure and, and can handle correction. They can handle discipline. They can handle change. Hebrews chapter 12 says God disciplines those he loves. He just loves you a lot more than somebody else. Well, oh, God, you always. <laughs> yeah, I love you. I re... Did I tell you? I really love you. Yeah, I know. I got the marks. <laughs> Servants aren't secure. And they can't handle discipline or correction. They can't take responsibility. If something does happen, then it's always somebody else's fault. If it doesn't work out, well, it was their fault. You know, they came in and yeah, if it was just me, I would have done it. They can't handle rejection. They think correction is rejection. What will people think of me? I'm getting I'm getting called into the pastor's office. <laughs> they're gonna think all these sort of crazy things they're like, oh they're trying to save face. Listen, discipline is something you do for your children. It's not something you do to them. It's not something that's like, oh, I can't wait to discipline you. <laughs> <laughs> So you see, the God-joined joints will welcome discipline. There's the sons. They'll welcome discipline. That's it. Thank you very much. Man, I needed that. I so needed that. Thank you for loving me. Thank Thank you for taking the time out to show me my fault. I've been trying to deal with that. Thank you for loving me that much. See, to put the right person in the right position, we may need to look at someone with fewer gifts, but the right heart and the right attitude. They must have your DNA. They must have your vision. They've got to have the vision of the house.'t doesn't, God doesn't necessarily call the qualified, but he does qualify the called. Come on, you got hope. Well, <laughs> oh, I got hope. I'm going to finish with this. Sons have huge potential. Sons have huge potential. They're still growing. They're ready to learn. They're teachable. I had a great Dane called King when I was dating Julie. And I can remember, you know, when there was a little puppy I mean, he was still big as a little puppy, but then he just grew and grew and grew, and and uh, he had the best of everything. I used to work at the Wyndham Tavern, and and the kitchen used to, well, mum used to work there as well, dad used to work there as well. Yeah, it was a family affair, and uh, <laughs> and they used to they used to bring out all the scraps, all the t bones, and the rump steak. I tell you, my dog was the best-fed dog I reckon in all of Australia, and he grew, he grew so big. And I had an old HR and I used to wind the back window down. I used to wind all the windows down. There's no air conditioning in those days. You know, just got that little quarter glass just to, you know, focus on the right, the wind. Yeah, I got it. And, 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 you know, King would be out there. His head way above the top of that old HR holding. And he's slobbering on all down the car. And people would just beep, beep. Yeah. They, they knew me. Such a big dog. And then, then I, I met Julie. I was like, whoo. And King probably thought the, thought the same thing. Julie's coming over. And so he, he would bound over and he would jump up and put his, his paws on her shoulders and look her face to face. <laughs> <laughs> he probably thought, it's like, oh, Greg's been talking about you all the time. I need to see this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as a little puppy, you could see the size of his feet. It's like, man, you got your feet are so big you're tripping over yourself. I mean he would just fall over himself. It was just he had this massive feet. You see, the feet can tell you how big the dog's gonna be. That dog had potential to grow. Sons come in as puppies. And you can see their feet. You can see, wow, there's great potential here. They're going to grow into something amazing. Sons sons have that. You can teach them anything. Come on, you can teach them anything. And they, they want to learn. Servants, on the other hand, come into the house full grown. Full grown. Can't teach them a single thing. Won't <laughs> teach the old dog new tricks. Yeah, check, fetch. Ah, done that. I'll teach you a new game. You fetch. <laughs> they already know everything. They've been there, they've done that. You can't add a single thing to them, but boy, they can add to you. Oh, Pastor, yo. You are so blessed today. I have joined your church. I am the one you have been waiting for. Your prayers have been answered. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, dear boy. Look, I am going to make such a difference around here. I can already see a lot of things that I'm going to have to change. A servant. Son will just come and learn. They'll stick beside you as you lead them and guide them. Come on, as a faithful, you know, puppy dog, and you'll teach them and train them and activate them. What God builds, He guards. God is building forever house. God is taking us to whole new levels. And I believe this message has to be spoken because it has to come a time where we start to get out of our comfort zones, where we start to grow. And as I said, when I heard this message, it's like, wow. And so we've, had, we've, we've outworked this. We've outlived this. It's, it's, it's out of these things now. It's like, yeah, listen, don't just listen to you with it with your head. Listen to it with your spirit. Because your spirit will say, ah, yep, that's it. You've got to change that. Your head will say, ah, that's all right. Hey, it's got you here you know, all these years. It's like, hey, I reckon you're pretty good. Listen to your spirit like, yeah, man, oh, oh, that is so confirmation. You really need to deal with this. It's like, come on. Can we stand right now? I want to pray for us as a, as a family. Forever house. Lord, I thank you that you are building us. Lord, even as this message goes forward, it resonates within each one of us. And Lord, even now, I pray that there will be a spirit of sonship that will be released, Father, on every ear that will hear this word, this message. Father, I thank You today that You are calling us and they're getting us out of our comfort zone to find out whether we are really a son or have we got the servant mentality. Lord, I pray today for the spirit of sonship. I pray today that You would teach us how to be sons in the house. Father, I thank You for this new season that You are bringing forward upon us that we are now (laughs) reaching forward. We're not going backwards. You are building our foundation. You are making it strong so that we can be built into a house, into a people, into a family, into connecting with each other. You build. What you build lasts. Father thank you for building each and every one of us I want to say this some of you might think well <laughs> uh, I really don't feel like I belong in the house some of you feel like well I'm, I feel like I belong on the rubbish tip um, you can't use me I'm I'm old timber or I'm I'm corroded or I'm this or what I am that but listen. God says, I can make all things new. I am making all things new. Allow Him. You are never washed up. You are never too old. You're never too bad. You're never too this. God says, "I let me in. And let me deal with these things. So that I can, I can cause you to be a son, to be built together, connected together joined together into my house. My house. And I will guard my house. And I will watch over my house. Father, I pray for forever. House. What an amazing group of people. What an amazing purpose and destiny. Father, thank you for the joinings. Thank you for the heart, the vision. Thank you for our pastors, Brad and Sarah. We bless them, Father. We thank you for them. Lord, we, we honor them this morning. Father, it's never easy, but God, you've given them Not just the anointing, but you've given them the love that they need to love your people. You've given them the strategies. Increase their vision. Multiply their vision. Father, we bless them today. We thank you, Lord, for your hand of favor and your hand of blessing upon forever house. And everyone who's connected, we thank you, God, that you're in control. You're in charge. In Jesus' name.